Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And with everything that's happening in the world, let's talk about sports because that is much more fun. Uh, Matt, we're going to be doing a couple of these during ASU's bye week. This one's going to be taking stock of the Sun Devils, recapping what happened with Stanford and looking at the first five games. And then we're going to talk about the rest of football. Maybe we'll get into a little baseball playoff action. And then eventually we'll come back and talk about the rest of this murderer's row stretch of the Sun Devils' schedule. Yes, sounds good. So let's start with Stanford. I am going to have nightmares about Bryce Love, I think, for a while. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you know, full disclosure for our loyal listeners, I was unable to watch the game um, and couldn't record it because, of course, I have DirecTV and Pac-12 Network doesn't have a deal with DirecTV, so... I haven't seen much. Um, my observations are limited to, uh, you know, what I talked to with you about on game day um, and then, uh, you know, reading and listening to some stuff from the Republic. Um, but it sounds like it was a game that, uh, you know, kind of unfortunately went about the way we feared it might, which was a lot like San Diego State. The power running game is just not something we seem to be able to handle this year. Well, during the game... I noticed it, and then I know that uh, Jeff Metcalf brought it up when he and Doug Haller did their podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. They would be at midfield or on their side of the 50 and just bring in an extra offensive lineman and three tight ends and, and just power yeah. you, and, and we had no answer. I mean, we it basically it felt like if Bryce Love got through the first layer, he was gone. Right. Yeah, it does. It does seem that way. I mean, he had, uh, you know, I know I've read Haller a couple different stories have mentioned the number of long runs he had. I want to say three or four of, of 30 or more yards, a, a 61-yard touchdown run early in the game, I know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, what's been interesting about this team this year is the, you know, the, the bugaboo, if you want to use that word, uh, last year, the, the disaster was the pass defense. Tons of big plays. And that hasn't really been a big issue this year so far. Now, we haven't faced a lot of great passing teams, really only one. Um, But even then, you know, we've done a decent job of containing the big plays there. What we've not done a decent job of is containing the big plays in the running game. You know, if San Diego State had the 95-yarder and then, you know, Stanford was several, uh, and and those are the big reasons for those two losses, which, you know, is is the difference maybe between being 3-2 and or 4-1 and right now and, Instead, we're two and three. I, one of the things that I am wondering and that I, I've been left sort of struck by is our front two, not our front four, but Smallwood right. and Wicker are the stars of this defense. Yeah. I mean, Calhoun and yeah. Sam are good, but wait, when you talk about guys who might play at the next level, when you talk about guys... Right who are the anchors, it, it always comes back to Wicker and Smallwood. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was borne out in this game because the interior linemen of Stanford just ate up those two guys because that was the priority. And then sure. they had extra offensive linemen and tight ends in who were able to take out our second layer and our, you know, a, a valiant effort from Abe Thompson. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it's... You know he's be- in theory he's better against the run than Crump, but nobody was going to do anything yeah. against that Stanford line. And Bryce Love, you know, 
it's one of those things where you'd say it was a lot of missed tackles, but it really wasn't. You know, he would bounce yeah. off a couple of guys here and there, but a lot of times it was just they got a hat on a hat, and then he had all kinds of space. Yeah, that's how it sounded to me too. Uh, you know, and I mean, it, it, the, now saying all of this before we you know dive into criticism, you know, we have to concede that you know, as as they say, you know, the other teams on scholarship too. Their coaches get paid too. Um, they, you know, they obviously have a real strength in him. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. He's he's averaging over 10 yards a carry this year. So he's made other defenses look bad. He's probably going to make more defenses look bad. That said, um, our inability to stop the run is, has been a, you know, I keep saying this several times. I point to the second half of last year as like the turning point when our defense went from, you know, okay, yeah, we got torched in the pass game, but we did pretty good against the run. That has not been the case the last 10 or so games. And and this is just another example of it. Um, and, and, you know, Doug Haller keeps pointing out that we just aren't very deep and aren't very talented. And that, of course, begs the question, why? You know, why aren't we very deep and why aren't we very talented? And why aren't we big enough up there? There's really no excuse for it. And, and yet here we are. So a couple of things. One, um, there was a stat that the Republic had something like the last 12 games have produced six of ASU's historical worst yeah. rush defense performances. Yep. I saw that. I saw that. Yes, yes, I did see that list. And I was noticing how many said 2016 and 2017, because that's really been where it's gotten away from us, especially in the Graham years. I think the majority of the, of the big running games allowed have been in the last uh, two years and really, you know, season and a half now. Yeah, and then the other thing, when it comes to the talent, you know, I, I'm i starting to more and more buy into it's not the next man up, but it's the third guy. Um, yeah. Because, look, Thompson's filling in for Crump. Chase Lucas is filling in for Joey Bryant, who we learned after the game is actually out for the whole year right. with a torn ACL from a non-contact drill in practice. Right. But, okay, that's great, but then where? Then what? What the sure, next? Who knows sure. what the next guy's going to do? I mean, the, yeah, the corner situation no, right. is basically now down to those two guys, and and some guys and, have stepped and, up and been great in, as starters. I think Jamarcus Rhodes has been sort of a revelation sure. at linebacker. He has, he has, he's been very good. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know, and and look, every team when you have injuries, you're going to lose something. I mean, I, I understand even even a you know powerhouse like Alabama or a Clemson. They have starters for a reason. When your starter gets hurt, there's some drop-off. Um, but, you know, why – I guess the question for me is, why are we down to former walk-ons like Abe Thompson and Joey Bryant being significant parts of our rotation? Where is the scholarship talent that should be there? And, and it's just – it seems to be missing. And, you know, I, I guess we'd probably have to sit and, like, look at the recruiting classes and figure out where things went awry – but something's gone awry if we're relying on former walk-ons as your first and second stringers. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely, it, it, it's absolutely on the coaching staff, you know. And part of this, I, I'll be honest, I, I would say it's on Graham, but it's the turnover of the assistants because they are the primary yeah. recruiters. And when you don't yeah. have consistency, it's tough. You know, we talked about last season how when Norvell left, they were able to keep the class together and how that on right. its own was a bit of a miracle. Now, 
you know, we're not being able to recruit. You know, I, I yeah. know it's early in the yeah. season, but it's October. According to ESPN, ASU doesn't have a single four-star recruit out of the 13 no. guys committed. And, look, we you can build teams without. Boise State forever did it on two-star recruits. Sure. But sure. we've also not shown a level of consistency in our coaching to make me think yeah. that that's a viable path to go down. Agreed. Agreed. And, and it's different building at a Boise State than it – I mean – you know, ultimately, when we talk about competing in a, in a major conference week to week, you've got to have talent. You know, you can band-aid it up as much as you want. You could do it with smoke and mirrors. But if you don't have the talent that the other teams do, and Stanford was a good illustration of that, they're just bigger and stronger. They just – and I, look, Stanford plays a way that not, not a lot of teams in the conference do. I realize that. Um, they have a unique approach to offensive line play and running game that not, not many teams in the country do anymore, really. Um, but, you know, where's where's our big defensive guys that we could go to? You know, maybe they're not as good, but we can plug them in for a game like this. That was an adjustment that was made in 2014 when we played Stanford. We went to a bigger defensive line, and it worked. And, and now we don't seem to have that ability, and here we are three years later in this coaching regime. Um, and so, again, I keep asking the question, where are the guys? Why are we down to you know, walk-ons and Juco, you know, kids who, who really came here to play track. Uh, that's not good that we're in that situation when you've had just an injury or two, you know, we're not, we're not talking about a situation where you've had dozens of guys injured and you're off the scrap heap. That's a different story. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's in, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I think it's an interesting and probably bad sign that they're saying John Humphrey returned to practice in a limited capacity this week, but right. he did it playing defense. You, you know, yeah, I know. I, 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 I know, know that I we've. I, I know that we've had some success converting guys from offense to defense at corner yeah. with, you know, obviously Gump Hayes' success in, in loose terms with Gump Hayes and yeah. and with Chase yeah. Lucas. It appears that this is actually going to work. A kid who didn't play defense in high school and is now mm-hmm. going to be our starting corner assuming health for the rest of the year um, yeah but a mid-year transition of a guy who you spent all offseason touting as a core wide receiver to I add, know uh, that's not good uh, no it's not I mean you know I know JJ Wilson hasn't been great on offense but you know having to plug him in and he's I mean after a few days of practice he was out there against Oregon on defense and it just you know again I I, I these things aren't terrible on their own, but why are we in this position? Why do we always, you know, what? where's the depth? Where's the guys that we have that, it, that we've recruited who can step in and play when a guy gets hurt? We don't seem to have that. The next, you know, the next recourse we have is, well, let's get somebody off the offense to play defense. Or let's, you know, bump up a walk-on. Like, well, where's the scholarship guys? I mean, don't we have 85 scholarships? Did I miss when we got penalized and reduced our scholarships to 65? I don't think so. Well, and that's just it. You know, you think about there have been some high-profile misses. Eric Lauderdale comes yes. to mind because we thought, oh, Jalen yes. Strong 2.0, he's the top Juco wide receiver, and he never yeah. really was able to put it together. But, you know, Maurice Chandler, where where are you? The, yeah. the, the secondary yeah. is hemorrhaging, and it's like yeah. Phil Bennett decided in spring, nope, he's never going to see the field. No, I know. Well, and, and you pointed out, and I think that's a big part of it is, is, you know, Graham's early success came about in large part because of recruiting good junior college players. 
you know, you mentioned you mentioned one just now, Jalen Strong. You know, there's others, uh, Mary Grice and Demarius Randall and Marcus Hardison. These were all JUCO kids that he brought in, and they played big roles. And lately, it seems like the JUCO talent that we're bringing in isn't as good. We're not getting the production out of those guys that we got in 2012 and 13 and 14. And because he's been so heavy on JUCOs, we don't have the you know, third-year junior depth that we should. I mean, you, you go back and look, and I, I did it a little bit a couple weeks ago. You know, I'm looking at the classes, and I'm thinking, well, you know, there's enough names here that guys who played, but so many of them are junior college kids that they're already gone. Like, the, the depth in the program just hasn't been built up. Well, so you have to keep plugging holes with more JUCO kids who aren't as good. And, and I think the defensive line is a prime example of that. You've got Wicker and Smallwood who are mm-hmm. guys who we brought in, and they are our anchors. Karan Crump was right. a Juco player um, who plugged in, and he, you know, you would have expected he would have been okay. But right. Where, Christian Hill was supposed to be a, a, a great defensive end. Yes. And, and older and ready, and he played fullback last year, and I haven't seen him this year. Yes. Doug Suttle, yeah. we recruited yeah. last year. He was ineligible. Yeah. Or two years ago. We brought him back last year, chased him down again, got him. I haven't seen him play a snap. Hasn't hasn't played no i think i've seen him on special teams a couple times but not once on defense um yeah i mean those are prime examples of guys who who were supposed to fill in those roles you know vacated by guys like marcus hardison uh you know juco kids who came in and they played well for a couple years and then they moved on they got drafted you know i don't i don't know the numbers offhand but um a fair amount of the guys who've been drafted under graham or juco kids he brought in and and now that's just that's dried up, uh, and and so that I think is probably the biggest reason for the struggles defensively, especially is just there's not there's not a great pipeline of talent right now. Yeah, and and that I think ultimately the buck stops with Graham. I think part of it was Norvell. I think by all accounts was the architect of the recruiting plan. He opened the pipeline to Louisiana. Yeah. He was the key for East Texas recruiting, and losing him hurt. The, and then just the complete disarray from year to year. You know, Jay Norvell brought yeah. in Newsom and Humphrey, both of them. And then he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, coaching turnover doesn't help. No, no doubt about that. And, you know, some of that is a, is a function of your early success. You lose Norvell and he takes a couple guys with him because you were good. And it put Norvell on the radar and got him an opportunity. And that's, that's a good thing. But you've got to be able to, to, you know, find a way to keep it up, and that hasn't happened. You know, and that's that's the biggest reason for our our defensive struggles. I mean, you can point to scheme, and certainly that's part of it, especially the last year or so. Um, the scheme, I think, is okay this year. You know, it's it's doing as good as it can with not much in the cupboard. Um, you know, we're we're asking Phil Bennett to cook a a gourmet meal without many good ingredients. He's doing the best he can. But, you know, why didn't somebody go to the store and get him some good ingredients, I guess would be my question. We don't have them. It feels a little bit like the job Chip Lindsey was having to do last year when we were shuffling quarterbacks and down to a guy we were expecting to redshirt. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and the offense was doing okay. He was manufacturing yeah. something. You know, and on that, by that same token, I think against Stanford, holding them under 40 holding Oregon under 40. I mean, not that you expect the offense to always be able to put up 40, but this offense is nowhere close to the, you know, certainly not the Dirk Cutter era, but even the early Todd Graham era offenses. Right. 
Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, and that I, I that's not say, a knock on Napier. I want to be clear. Like, I think that no, the offense has no. the same problems, especially on on the line. It does. It does. Yes. I mean, you know, teams oftentimes, you know, it's cliche, but you hear, you know, football teams are built, you know, on their lines, offensive and defensive lines, and ours just aren't very good. We've got a couple of nice, you know, decent players on both sides, but there's not much depth. There's not many guys to go to and and say we've got guys in the pipeline coming up and, you know, this is how it gets better. You know, we're not seeing that. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I would say at, at this point as we assess it, you know, kind of uh, looking at this from the big picture right now, you know, if I were to grade the defense, I'd probably say a, a C. I mean, it hasn't been great, but I didn't think it would be great. But it's been okay. Um, you know, stopping the run is an issue that, that is going to have to get better or teams will continue to expose it. Certainly Washington, you know, and USC and Utah, our next three opponents, I'm sure, are looking at what's been happening and thinking we're just going gonna, gonna to run it right down their throats. Um, and they should try it because we haven't done very well at stopping it this year. But, you know, the pass defense has been better. Uh, pass rush has been okay. We haven't forced a lot of turnovers. That's an area that I'd like to see more of. Um, but, you know, it's been average, which is better than it was last year when it was probably, a you know, an F-. minus. Yeah, and on the flip side, I, I, though, I think the offense has been also just a C. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. You're, this is this Which is, is how why you get you're to two and three. Yeah, <laughs> and and why you wind yeah. up being sort of a borderline bad bowl game level of team. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're we're yeah. average. Yeah. Our, you know, Ruiz has been good on special teams, but Sleep Dalton has been uh-huh. sort of a disaster. And and, Not and, great. and the punt, yeah. you know, the punt return game has cost us. The punting game yes. has cost us. So uh, you know, and Ruiz, for as much as I think that. Other than freshman mistakes, he's been more than adequate and, and you know, co- very competent filling sure. Zane Gonzalez's shoes. This week he kicked the ball out of bounds and gave Stanford a drive. Right. You know, so. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it hasn't. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, as you say that, I would say, you know, you can find some things to like on all three phases and you can find some things that haven't been very good. And that's how you get to two and three, and you're, you know, you're looking like a six and six kind of team, um, you know. And and we'll see where it goes because the, you know, what I still fear is is, uh, you know, losing these next three, and you're two and six, and then you go into that supposedly easier stretch, but you've become beaten down by losing, and you, you know, the locker room starts to fracture. Guys start looking to their futures, and and you know, it's it, is there consistency there to win four in a row at the end of the year? I'm not sure, um, but we're that type of team, and and you know, that's why we, we struggle stopping the run. Our offensive line is average at best. Our special teams has made key mistakes uh, at at bad times, and you know, that's how you lose games. And when we win games, it's because those things go our way. You know, the special teams right. executes the surprise onsides kick. Right. You know, right. we get 200 yard receivers in the same game. But yeah, yeah. I, I will say, you know, and we, well, I just want to say, I, I was very impressed, you know, with the play calling job by Billy Napier. Obviously, dealing with the death of his father and having to fly back and forth across sure. the country, his, you, you would have totally forgiven him if he had skipped the game or if sure, something sure. had caused him to just, you know, not be all there. But right. deciding to put Richard 
and Harry in the backfield in the Sparky formation, finding ways to make sure that Harry got a lot of touches against Stanford, even when they were yeah. covering him, double covering him, finding different places to put him, handing him the ball. It was good. It was really Agreed. an impressive Agreed. round. Yeah, it's, it seemed like it from, from what, you know, again, what I read and what was described. Um, you know, there, there were some different um, attempts on things, and that's something that we have seen really the last two or three weeks is, you know, uh, getting the ball in our receiver's hands with runs or, you know, those quick pass, you know, kind of almost, you know, motion passes, uh, you know, running a little bit more of the, the sparky with different guys rather than just Balage, uh, you know, trying different things. And, and, you know, the one thing that didn't seem to happen in that game that's been a good thing the last two weeks before is the big plays in the passing game. That wasn't there as much, but we didn't have a 100-yard receiver wasn't Manny's best day from from what I uh, gleaned. You know, had his first two interceptions. wasn't great, um, and and you know we just we need him to be better. I mean, it, it becomes a thing where we need all the phases to be better. We're not good enough overall to win games when we make mistakes like that. Yeah, and, and I think that if we make a bowl game and if we put together a run at the end. No matter what happens mm-hmm. in the midway, I think that Graham's job will be saved. I think that you you would expect that Napier and Bennett would be back. Phil Bennett yeah. is probably Dom Capers of college football at this point. He's not oh, getting sure, a head coaching sure. job. I mean, this is you know he's going to be a defensive coordinator no. somewhere as long as he wants to coach. Um, Napier's a different story. You know, if he builds some success, he could move and be an offensive coordinator somewhere else, or you sure. know if he stays in one place and generates a lot of success, he he's young enough that he could be like Norvell and go somewhere. Sure. But sure. you would suspect that much of the coaching staff would return intact next year, which maybe just that consistency alone would help. But uh, I don't think it would hurt. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah on on but, the flip side though, if I, they fall apart, there's no reason to keep them for the sake of consistency. No, no, there's not. No. And, and it, I really do think it will come down to that November stretch. Uh, you know, from from you know the Colorado game to the Arizona game. Right now, you know, you continue to look at that as the weeks pass, and that looks it looks manageable. You know, but uh, Doug Haller made this point this week, and I agree with him. It's hard to look at this team and see the consistency there to win four straight. And so, I still feel I've said this the last two weeks. We needed to we needed to take two of these five. We took the first one, and we didn't take the second one. So we need one of the next three. In order to to think, I we could really get to six and six because I just even though all of four of those look winnable, do I really believe that we can win four straight, uh, including two on the road? No, you know I I just don't. So we we got to steal one somewhere in the next three weeks after the bye week. Yeah, I, I feel like the Utah game looks the most winnable. The fact that USC it, yeah. dropped a game to Washington State makes me think it's almost impossible for us to. I mean, we're not going to catch them napping. Um, no, we're not. And, and you know, I mean, the, just the talent disparity between what Washington and USC have and what we have, I just don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it does happen. Obviously, we're at home, and that gives you a chance to, you know, pull an upset. You never know. But um, I just don't, I don't see it, you know. And, again, the way those teams can run the ball, uh, you know, that's a concern. I mean, we, we've not done well against the run all year. Oregon, to an extent, we did, but I felt like Oregon didn't run it enough. They uh, they got away from it early. 
then they fell behind and really got over from it. Um, and, and I think, you know, teams are going to look and see, especially what Stanford did, and say, we got to commit to this. We're going to come out and run it and make them stop us, and we're going to have to prove we can or else it's going to, you know, be more games like that. Maybe not 300-yard rusher, but there might be another couple of 200-yard rushers on us. Yeah, and on some level, it, it might feel like we're going to have to just trust the secondary on islands, at least initially, and yeah. pack the box and sort of dare teams to try to pick on Chase Lucas and Kobe Williams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, uh, you know, because obviously, as I say, you know, Washington and USC can run the ball. They've also got really good quarterbacks and good receivers, and they're you know they're they're good teams. They're ranked where they are for a reason. Um, and it's going to take a you know a near perfect type of performance to beat either one of them. I think. Yeah. So and then you know you talk Utah. You got to win on the road, and it's been it's been two years now uh, to the day I believe since we last won a conference road game. And we do play Utah tight. I think that of the three, Utah I would say has our best chance. I'm not. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think on on just uh, on paper, you would say that, but it just it comes back to that. Can you feel confident about them winning on the road? And I don't. We've been better on the road this year than we were last year. Didn't, doesn't take much to be better than we were last year because we were awful last year. So there's been improvement, but we still got to find a way to win one. And so far, we're zero two in that department. True. Very true. Utah or uh, Texas San Antonio rather is not Utah so it's no it's not yeah you know you you're right we do play Utah close and uh you know we had their number for the first three or four years of the Pac-12 um they finally you know we they beat us two years ago and then they beat us down here last year so we've you know we're past that feeling of oh we've got one up on them now they've they've got a couple wins on us and um, but they play a style that you know reminds you of Stanford. They leave you in a game um, because they're they're not really the type of team to blow you out. Stanford did. I mean that game. I don't remember exactly what our scores were, but I think they were about what happened. You know, close enough in the fourth quarter. We were down by seven with you know seven minutes to go. We needed a defensive stop and a score, and we couldn't come up with the defensive stop to give us a chance to get the score. Um, you know, it was it was out there. We just couldn't make the plays. I will say this about David Shaw. You and I have talked a lot before we were even recording what our conversations yes. to, to now about Shaw's, you know, proclivity for conservatism and taking the taking the safe play. But he has routinely had one big play a game where he just catches ASU off guard. It was the Hogan bootleg years ago, and it was the fake punt this year. Yeah, you know, we just. You just yep, assume yep. he's going to go by the book because he always seems to do that, and then at, at the perfect right. time, he zigs when you think he's going to zag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the guy, you know, you know I've, I've uh, had a, a grudge against him, I guess, since the 2013 or 2012 Fiesta Bowl was um, Luck's last game. I felt like he got ultra conservative at the end and cost him the game. Um, but he's a good coach. I mean, there's no denying what he's done. He's kept that program going. Uh, with with a lot of, you know, many years now since Harbaugh's been gone. It's no longer Harbaugh's program. It's his. I give him a lot of credit for that. And, yeah, he has uh, at several moments outcoached ASU 
the Pac-12 title game I always go back to is one uh, where he just seemed to step ahead every play. And, you know, obviously there were moments like that on Saturday as well. Yeah, that Pac-12 title game, it really it, – the the only time there was even a spark after the opening sort of salvo felt like yeah. the play DJ Foster got hurt. And then, you know, right, right. He, yes. him, him coming yes. out, then, dragging his leg effectively behind him was – Yes, know, you, yes. You could just I mean, tell. They, it, was, it was done, yeah. And, and, you know, if I recall, and it's been a while now, but – you know, we were we were down, I think, maybe two scores, and we had two drives that got inside the 10 to start the third quarter, and I believe we missed a field goal and turned it over on downs. You know, you, you can't, you know, those are killers, obviously. And, again, Stanford just seemed to step ahead of us. They, uh, you know, in that game, I remember, you know, we went to that game together, and what I remember watching and, and noticing as that game was going on was just how – they just seemed, you know, every time we caught up to what they were doing, they did something different. And, you know, so I get, you know, I have to give the guy credit. He's not exactly my style of coach. I, there's times he frustrates me watching them, but, you know, he's a good coach and he's he's had our number for the most part. We've got one win over him in all these years. Yeah. Well, we missed them the last couple, which means they'll be on our schedule yeah. for a while now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they come down here next year, so we'll we'll see how it goes at that point. And it'll be Costello, because even if they have the number one quarterback recruit in the country, they will not go to him. We know that. They will not, they will not go <laughs> well, to a true freshman. What did you think of Costello? Uh, I mean, I, I watched some of UCLA. I thought he looked pretty good. Um, was, obviously, I didn't see this game. He was solid. He, he felt yeah. like, you know, a, a better Hogan, but not quite a, yeah. a, an Andrew Luck at the college level. He... Yeah, he didn't put the ball in jeopardy. He knew the system. He was audibling and checking at the line in a way that no. Shaw seems to trust his guys more than most modern coaches and coordinators do. Uh, True. There was True. not a lot of check with me on the sideline plays. It was a lot of he would walk up to the line, see something, and call out an audible on his own. So that was yeah, impressive, which I like. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you'll see. You know, obviously, it depends on how long Stanford. You know, if Shaw ends up leaving or something, that's a different. But you know, these guys come out. I mean, I think you see it with Hogan. They come out prepared for the NFL. Doesn't mean that they're NFL starters. Hogan's probably not. But you know, they they run an offense that's similar. They have to, you know, read things at the line. They have to call plays in the huddle. So few quarterbacks do that. It you know it gives them a jump on a lot of guys they're competing with. Well, somebody I was listening to made, made a point about, you know, it's Bryce Petty and you just count the number of people in the box and that's, you right. know, you call the play based right. on that. And that is absolutely not the way Stanford treats their quarterbacks. No, no. I mean, they, they have to process a lot, uh, you know, more than most college quarterbacks do. So, yeah, I think the kid's going to be pretty good. I mean, they've got another one behind him who was very highly touted, who's a true freshman this year. I'm assuming they want to redshirt him, so... We'll see, you know, who ends up winning that job long term. But the Costello kid certainly came with a lot of fanfare, and I, I was pretty impressed from the little I saw against UCLA, at least. Yeah, he, for being as young as he is, he was a steady hand, didn't make any mistakes, put the ball where he needed to, trusted his receivers, threw a couple passes yeah. that were impressive, definitely took advantage of the height disparity between Kobe Williams yeah. and a couple of his guys and just threw it up. Which they should. Yeah, I mean, they got a ton of those big tight ends. They, they're like, you know, we talk about how we don't have much in the way of a assembly line. They got it when it comes to tight end, man. They just 
they just grow six, seven tight ends on trees, it appears. Yeah, and for ASU, speaking of six foot seven guys, Hodges played. Um, yeah. So another another burned redshirt. It, to bring it back to our ASU, where we are sitting right now, you know, we both right. called it sort of a straight C across the board, but mm-hmm. I am not thrilled with the way we've used and manipulated our redshirts this year. I, I think it could come back to bite us, and I wouldn't be surprised that if there is a coaching change, that you see a couple mm-hmm. of these kids be asked to redshirt as sophomores. Possibly, yeah. Now, I mean, you get into the you get into the question of is there enough depth to do that next year? You know, or, or I mean, especially uh, what I look at is certainly the two running backs, but all these guys in the secondary. You know, you and I talked last year around signing day that we went real heavy on defensive backs, and we needed to. Um, but where are they? You know, we're not we're seeing them playing, but they're barely playing on special teams. I mean, Alex Perry. Uh, believe Evan it, Ty Thomas, Evan Fields, like they've taken barely any defensive snaps, and these guys were supposed to be big parts of, you know. And, and look, they're true freshmen. I'm not saying they're busts or anything like that, but you know, let's let's get them in. I mean, rather than seeing John Humphrey go over and play defense, how about we play these guys who we've already burned the red shirt and might have a future? Maybe they'll have mistakes. They probably will. They're true freshmen, but guess what? John Humphrey probably will too. Because he's never played defense before. Yeah, no, it makes much more sense if we're going to be trying things out in the secondary, then give me Evan Fields, give me Langston Frederick, who we burned his yeah. red shirt, and I don't even remember seeing it. Uh, That's another one, yes. You know, yes. Ty Thomas. I mean, I think- just, just put these guys out there because at least they came in with the expectation they'd be playing defense. Right, right. You know, and, and I mean, whether Graham is a part of it or not, these guys should be a big part of our future you know defensive backs you would hope so you know and that's the thing we're not getting enough of the last couple years is where's those guys who we recruit as freshmen and by the time they're you know juniors and seniors they're they're ready to go we're not seeing that much but hopefully these guys will so you know let's let's get them out there i mean i'm not saying they should be starting and playing every snap but man if we're struggling for depth why are those guys not playing I, i don't i don't understand that yeah, well, it also speaks to, you know, the name that popped into my head, the guys who you thought were going to be big-time contributors, Ty Wiley, who, right. you know, he threw a key block on that onside's kick recovery. Right. That, that's, the, that's, it. that's the highlight I have for him in, in really yeah. his whole ASU career. And, you yeah. know, I remember the state title game. It was him and Cam Denson going head-to-head. Right. And Denson right. wound up going to U of A, and Wiley came here, and... It just, it's almost like we've forgotten about him. Yeah, too many of too many guys like that. I mean, you know, it, it's, I think that's really it. I mean, that's just one name, but too many guys who, who have been misses, for lack of a better word. I mean, maybe not, you know, with basketball over the years, it's so easy because, you know, guys leave and you say, oh, boy, we got nothing out of that guy. With football, Sometimes it's harder to judge because a guy may play, he might be on the team for four years, and he has some decent moments. But you were looking for more, and and Wiley's a great example. I mean, he was he was supposed to be a pretty key contributor, and he just hasn't been, you know. And then you factor in, uh, you know, guys like Kareem Moore who left, a guy like Armand Perry who had to retire, a guy like Marcus Ball who had to, you know. You start adding those guys up, and that's why you're in the position you're in. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up basketball. I, today, was going through the recruiting history from Harden forward 
on, uh, yes. you know, because I work hard and I'm no. diligent at my job. But every once in a while, you need a little, picture. yeah, every once in a while you need a break. Um, and and right. I was going through and, and it, it really put into stark relief how similar Graham's career appears to be mirroring Herb Sendex. I know, I know. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's very, very, very similar because I think you could look at those initial recruiting classes that Graham had again, heavy on the Juco kids that were good, you know, that, that went on, you know, did good things here. They've been drafted in the NFL highly. Uh, and, and then you look at the last few years and you're just not seeing that as much. And, and, you know, that's, that's what it comes back to. Can you get the players and, you know, he did a good job right off the bat of getting the players, and now not so much. I wonder if he went one step too far, ultimately, on his ability to recruit. You know, getting the winning the second-tier battles or third-tier battles to get kids to come to Rice or Tulsa is right. different, and he won some of them. The Nikhil Harry battle yeah. forever will be huge. You know, if Nikhil Harry doesn't do another thing for the Sun Devils, that was a huge recruiting victory. But the the guys who he lost, you look around the country, Christian Kirk, uh, Kyle Allen, you know, you just basically everyone at Oregon. You just start to think like, are you are you misevaluating guys? I mean, certainly not with Kirk. Everyone knew what Kirk was. But or, or is it just your pitch is not quite good enough and, and maybe it's the school maybe ASU's not quite good enough to recruit with those guys but you feel like you should be yeah no I agree I agree I mean and and uh you know you did you didn't lose guys like that that's certainly a factor um and and that hurt you know yeah it's nice to get Nikhil Harry um but you haven't gotten enough of those you know and that's just that's just what it comes down to. There's not enough difference makers. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago after the San Diego State game. We talked in hypotheticals about how many of our guys would start for a USC or a Washington. And granted, I don't expect, you know, all of them. But we don't have very many at all. And and it's tough to beat those teams when you just don't match up player-player at many spots or any spot. Yeah. I mean, watching more college football now, you realize – one, how special Harry is, but also yeah. how crazy impressive teams like Alabama are, where everyone's sure, Harry. Sure. Everyone, everyone looks like they're exactly. 28 years old and exactly, yeah. in their yeah. peak yeah. physical I mean, prime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here as, I'm, as we're talking and I'm looking up. This is just one class, but, you know, let's, let's walk through it a little bit. 2014 recruiting class. These are guys who should be seniors or redshirt juniors. So that's your, you know, that's your base. DJ Calhoun, good player, but not a great player. Four-year starter. Tyler Wiley, yeah, yeah, a good player. You know, Tyler Wiley, we just discussed. Manny Wilkins, yeah, solid, good quarterback. Um, Kalen Balaj, good, but again, I would say not great. Um, you know, and then we get into Juco kid, Quishy Brown. Nice player, but he's gone already, and he wasn't great. You know, he, he was he was decent. Um, he beat out uh, Gump you know, Pace. Average. Beat out Gump right. Pace for the corner job. Another member of this class, I believe, was Gump. Yeah, uh, yeah Gump Pace was in this class. Um, Christian Sam, okay, a, you know, a good player. We've got good things. And Boateng, Juco kid who really was never as good as he was built to be. 
Um, Eric Lauderdale, you mentioned him earlier, Juco kid, not very good. Dalvin Stuckey, don't believe he ever even suited up for a game. Yeah, I believe he was thrown uh, off the team before yes. fall practice. Yes. Uh, Darius Caldwell, another Juco kid, have no idea. Don't think he ever played a game. I think he actually, um, did he go to the same school as Stuckey? Uh, let's see, he did, yes. I think that Both he came, I, if I remember right, he came sort of out of nowhere when Stuckey committed, he also committed, and okay. when Stuckey didn't show up, he also didn't show up. Okay, so yeah, nothing. Um, Tim White, a nice pickup, good player for a couple of years. I mean, uh, what you know, those if there's a theme, if there's a running theme, the best guys here are the guys who, are the, who should be glue guys on great teams. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's nobody in this class. I mean, you know, let's let's go through real quickly the other names. Jalen Hervey, Connor Humphreys. I don't I think he's an offensive lineman backup now. I'm not sure. Yeah, they moved him. They um, flipped sides of the ball on him. Yes. Uh, Tayshawn Smallwood, Demario Richard, Rennell Wren, Sam Jones, um, Ishmael Murphy Richardson. I don't know if he's even still on the team. I believe he was thrown off the team. Okay. DeAndre Scott. I know nothing about him. I don't think he's ever was with the team. Jamal Scott, same thing. Those, those names don't even sound familiar. Colton Gerhardt, he's gone. He's playing quarterback at New Mexico, I believe now. Yeah, after uh, a brief Armand stint Perry. on the baseball team. <laughs> right, played baseball, yeah. Armand Perry, retired. Um, you know, so nothing from him. Well, nothing now from him. Good, decent career, but cut yeah. short. Um, you know, Daz Tadalatati, Chad Adams, uh, decent players, but You're, probably shouldn't be starters. Well, and, and, and Tala Atasi should have been a special teams guy. And, right. and, a, and, a, right. and a solid special teams guy he was. Yeah. But yeah. when you asked so, him I mean, to start go, this year, that's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, that's your class. Um, is there one NFL player in that class? Maybe Kalen Balaj. We talked about that before the season. That's probably it. Smallwood will, when, when Smallwood will be in preseason. He'll get Maybe signed. Smallwood, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and look, I mean, not that NFL players make or break your, you know, I mean, they're, there's good good teams who have very many, but that's a, you know, that's an easy way to kind of evaluate your talent, and we just don't, there's not a lot there. That's just one class, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit and go through every single class because that would take forever, but that's a class that should be contributing a lot this year, and there's there's a lot of guys who are starters, but they're not great, and that's why we're two and three, and probably staring down the barrel of five six wins. Well, and it also goes to your point about the JUCO guys because I, I'd say a quarter of the class, maybe as much as a third of that class, mm-hmm. is already out of eligibility and gone. Yeah, you know it's yeah. tough to build so, something when the you know those guys aren't here anymore. Right, right, and that's how you have a lack of continuity and you know, it's, it's good having Juco kids. And if you can keep that up, like we did early, then yeah. Okay. But that's the thing. I mean, how many of those Juco kids I just mentioned have, you know, were anywhere close to what they were supposed to be. Tim White was, was good. Um, you know, Tim White was an NFL Caldwell. player. Actually, he didn't get drafted, but he, he had a good, he's on IR. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had a good rear and you know, he was good. Um, but that, you know, Eric Lauderdale was a big bust, uh, Stucky and Caldwell never played, um, Questy Brown Brown was a, was a starter, but he wasn't very good. Uh, you know, Gump Hayes ended up moving to defense. Wasn't very good. 
you know, so that's, I mean, that's what, six, seven JUCO kids we just named, and only one was really a, a good player. Uh, that's, you know, why it's tough to keep that pipeline going. Yeah, that, I mean, that really makes you think about what happened and the fall off that this team's had. Yes. You, you can almost, as, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you, can almost, you can almost circle that class and say, this, this is a problem. Yes. You know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I looked at that one because I'm thinking, okay, these guys are, are, you know, they're either Juco kids whose careers are over or, you know, guys who should be in their fourth year in the program, whether they're redshirt junior or a, or a senior. And, and there's just not enough there. It's not a disaster. I mean, you don't look at that class and say, oh my God, there's, you know, this is horrible. There's some decent players there, but there's not a lot of great players there. And, and that's the difference between, you know, a team that wins 10 games and a team that wins five or six. Well, I mean, and part of it is, you were right, they're not big misses. They're, you know, some of them are. No. Caldwell and Stuckey certainly some are, are. Sure. But, but sure. there are enough guys where had you actually hit on a couple where they are stars, there are enough yeah. blue guys where it's okay. If Balaj had been a star, if that Texas Tech yeah. game was not an aberration – Obviously not eight touchdowns a game, but right. You know, right. if he could be a feature player where week in and week out, you just have to game plan for him, and he's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if the offensive line, if Sam Jones, instead of being the best offensive lineman we have, is one of the you know upper tier offensive linemen in the country, things like that matter and are yeah. different. You know, you can go through that list and say, yeah, you know, the best quarterback on the team, the best running back on the team, the best offensive sure. lineman on the team are all from that class, but that might be more of an indictment of the next few classes. And I don't, <laughs> and I'm exactly not trying it. to be pejorative yes, about yes. this. Like, you know, these guys are fine college football players, but Nikhil Harry's the difference maker on this team. And, and it's one right. guy on one side of the ball. And I hope that's Ruiz not. can be Zane Gonzalez, but that's, you know, yes. even that, like for as good as Zane was last year's team didn't make a bowl, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. No, you need, you need more guys like that. I mean, I think you and I have had a similar type of discussion about basketball in these last couple years, you know, a few years that, you know, we've, we've had some players who could be nice, you know, three, four, five, and six options, but instead we're asking them to be our one and two, and that's not good. You know, I mean, that, that's how you go under 500. And, yeah, that's probably what we're looking – I mean, like, look, I don't mean to rip Manny Wilkins. He's a, he's a good quarterback, but – is Manny Wilkins a great quarterback? I don't think so. Uh, you know, and, and you know, that's an example of a guy who, you know, if Manny Wilkins is your backup, yeah, you're you're good shape. You can put him in there and he can win. But if he's starting 12 games, you know, can you win 10? I don't think so. And, and I don't mean to be harsh, but I just don't. Unless you've got, you know, an Alabama defense and running game around him. We don't. I mean, that's the thing. It's It's part of the problem is, where your high watermark is, if everyone, if everyone on the team was a B plus player, then we'd be sure. fine. But the problem is, sure. we have a one blue chip guy. We've got yeah. a, a number of good pieces, but not enough good pieces in spots that work together. Yeah, you know, right. we've got two linebackers and two defensive linemen who are solid pieces. Maybe yeah. you throw Rhodes in there and say you've got three linebackers and two defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you can't have Sam and Calhoun and Rhodes all at the line to stuff the run. 
Right. You know, they're not when your when your secondary is as vulnerable as it is. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's what it comes down. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not again. It's not to rip Manny Wilkins. I mean, quarterbacks with probably less talent than him have won national championships, but they got better teams around them. They got great running games and they got great defenses. And and you can have a caretaker quarterback that you know wins a, a national title or a conference title. But we're not good enough all around. So, it, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing. Like, you know, if you had that great quarterback, would that cover up some of your deficiencies? Maybe. But it would also be nice to just not have some of those deficiencies. And then you could win with a quarterback who's kind of a, a B player. Yeah. So, you know, this team is good enough to make a bowl game, partly by virtue of the fact that there are a lot of bowl games. Sure, sure. <laughs> and we hope they are. I mean, uh, I, I think they are good enough to – but that doesn't mean they will. You know, I mean, last year's team was good enough to also, and they didn't. They fell apart in the second half. Um, this year's team is going to have to surge in the, in the last third. That, you know, even, even if we can steal one of these next three, we're still going to have to win three of the last four to make a bull. So I think they're good enough to do that, but that doesn't mean I'm feeling real confident about it. Matt and I will be back. We're going to talk about... The rest of college football, we'll look at some of our predictions. We'll talk a little NFL. Eventually, we'll preview that terrifying stretch that the Sun Devil football team is going to be on. It's almost time for basketball season, and we're going to start talking more about that. So there's a lot. Oh, and Pat Richardson is going to be back sometime before the next ASU game to talk about the Browns and probably more about the Indians than the Browns, to be quite honest. Um, (laughs) But uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.